Hello and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast. In today's episode, Danette, our Director of Learning, Graham, our CEO, and me, our Media Coordinator, all do a podcast on Spotify Greenroom about how to motivate your team. This was a really fun Spotify Greenroom because we actually got an interaction with an audience member. And if you'd like to join us for our next one, which will be on at 12.30 Australian Eastern Standard Time, uh, on Friday, the 6th of August, and we'll be doing it every Friday, or that's 7.30, on th- 7:30 p.m. on the West Coast of the USA. We hope to see you there. Uh, I explain a little bit more about it in this podcast, but enjoy this one. Um, all right. Well, uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast. Once again, we are recording on Spotify Greenroom, which means that uh, you can join us in the conversation if you're here at 12.30 Australian Eastern Standard Time or about 7.30 p.m. on Thursday on the West Coast of the U.S. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about motivating your team. And once again, I am lucky enough to be joined by both Danette and Graham from Magical Learning. So thank you both for being here. Thank you, Jez. Happy to be hey, here. Jez. Happy Friday, everyone, or Thursday, or possibly Saturday. No, maybe not. <laughs> no. Good to be here. Let's, let's not confuse things too much. <laughs> well, that's, that's all very good. Uh, so like I said at the top, today we're talking about motivating your team. And so I'm really excited to be talking to you two about this today. Uh, I just wanted to know, uh, maybe we'll start with Jeanette. What, uh, what is, are there any sort of in, uh, beginning thoughts that you want to have on this before I get into any of the questions? Um, I just think it's a fabulous topic and one that leaders should be thinking about a lot because they do this well. They create a group of self-motivated people who can create magic. So glad glad we picked this topic. Thank you, Jez. That's right. And Graham, uh, do you have any sort of opening thoughts on motivating your team? No, I think as, as Danette said, it's um, it's incredibly important. Yeah, it's something that's been the focus of global st- surveys for the last probably 10 or 15 years because I, I think it's intrinsically um, aligned with employee engagement. Uh, but very excited to be discussing it today because I think it's hugely, hugely, particularly right now. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and so I, I'm really excited that you two are here to talk about it. I guess uh, I, I wanted to start uh, with my questions about sort of setting up what an in an ideal world a motivated team looks like. So maybe we'll start with um, Graham for this one. What does a motivated team look like? Well, I think some of the, the common signs are um, things like fun. So a motivated team, it doesn't matter how busy they are, how much under the pump they are, they will still find ways to enjoy what they're doing. So there's always a a great sense of energy and fun. They push the boundaries. They will ask the hard questions. They won't settle for the status quo. They look to improve things. Um, They challenge each other. They also challenge their managers, which I think is a wonderful thing. Um, and, And they're always looking for opportunities to grow themselves great perfect yeah thank you for that graham that's awesome Uh, (laughs) and uh, mum what would you say about what a motivated team looks like 
yeah, absolutely agree with everything Graham said. And and I think what you see, like what I notice is that there is lots of laughter. As Graham said, people are having fun. Um, people go above and beyond. So you never hear the phrase, that's not my job, that's not my role. Um, and I think a big part of that is that they respect each other. So they respect the fact that they're not all the same, that their differences add value to the team rather than you know, trying to have everyone be the same. And you know, so that means that there is healthy disagreements. We can agree to disagree and still work really well together, but we're open to new ideas and new thoughts. And I think the other big one is that there's high trust in the team. So having that high trust allows people to be able to try things and fail and it's not seen as a disaster, it's just seen as a learning opportunity. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think um, what you're saying is really setting up a, a really nice, what a really good business looks like. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I suppose what I wanted to do is just at the forefront, give us maybe the opposite perspective as well, and then we can maybe discuss a little bit further. But what are some signs that your team isn't motivated? What are some things to look for? And I'll give this to you, Danette, to start off. Okay, and I'd love to say um, Logan just joined us, um, so welcome, Logan. And so in terms of signs that they aren't motivated, you see a lot of clock watching. So people are there watching the clock just waiting for the day to be over. They're not invested in their role, so they, rather than bringing, you know, everything they can to the role, they they bring the bare minimum. You often see the opposite of, of those really motivated, so there's low trust, um, low energy, you'll often see too some really poor behaviours and those poor behaviours are sometimes rewarded, which is why some teams may be quite demotivated. For example, I remember a client many years ago speaking to me about how the high performers who often bullied their teams were rewarded by an organisation and um, because they got short-term performance, the organisation actually made that part of the culture and that's sort of the opposite of, of, you know, a highly motivated team. If you're having to bully your team, there's something wrong with your leadership style and, you know, so when those bad behaviours are celebrated, um, I definitely don't think that's a good thing and it certainly demotivates people. And I think the big thing from a brain science is when we're not motivated, we don't feel connected with the rest of our team. Um, It tends to be each person for themselves versus when we're highly motivated, we are much more collaborative because we feel safe. I'd also be interested in what Graham has picked up on this too. So I have to admit that I'm not at all motivated to answer this question now because she just said all of the things that I'd written down. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, look, I agree 100% with everything you said. Um, yeah, it's just the, it, the low energy, no drive to um, to look to improve. They are passive aggressive towards change, so they'll often resist change. Um, it is a job rather than the calling. So all of the things Danette said about um, yeah, not looking to improve. Communication typically is quite poor because they become more insular there's less and it becomes more of a competition-based approach to working in a team rather than a collaborative one. Uh, I think Danette also mentioned the low trust, which I think is massive. Um, and I, you also find that you can have both absenteeism and presenteeism in a low-motivated team and that some people will have an abnormal number or what appears to be an abnormal number of 
unexplained absences, sick days. It's the, the traditional what we call in the Australian culture a sickie where you take a day off, not because you are not feeling well or that you're particularly stressed, but you just don't like your job, just to clarify. Yeah. Um, so you, you find you have a lot of unexplained or unexpected absences, but you also get a lot of presenteeism where people turn up to work, but they're not doing anything, um, which in some cases is worse than absenteeism. So it's um, it's not necessarily just a case of the opposite of uh, what is a motivated team, but there certainly are some parallels between them. Great answers. Thank you. It's quite good to sort of, um, I guess, for people that will be listening, they can get an idea of what positive signs are in their workplace and some negative ones. And I think some of it, uh, I think that sounded really interesting uh, that maybe we can explore a little bit more about is uh, team culture. I just kind of, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing to, to talk about. So um, I was wondering if uh, maybe Graham, you had a, a good example of a, a place that had a really positive culture. Uh, we don't need necessarily get into ones that had a negative culture, but is there any that stand out to you uh, that have a really positive culture um, that people can maybe look? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Probably uh, other than magical learning, obviously. Um, sorry, just a little plug there, folks, but, you know, it's true. <laughs> uh, my, my favourite example comes from... Um, a company called Zappos, and, and I don't mind naming it because I think it's just a wonderful example. And um, the, without going, so the short version is there's a, uh, a story in a book called Delivering Happiness that the, um, at the time the CEO of Zappos, Tony Shea, wrote. And it describes um, a group of shoe manufacturers, sales reps being in a hotel room late at night um, the restaurant's closed downstairs. They've had a couple of beers. They're all hungry. They want something to eat. And Tony Shea s- suggests that they call the Zappos hotline. Now, Zappos is an online shoe retailer. So <clears throat> one of these sales reps rings the Zappos call centre and says, hi, my name's Dave. Um, we're just trying to find somewhere that does takeout or um, home delivery pizza. And we're in this city and we're staying at a motel, but everything's closed here and we don't come from here. So we're just wondering if you can help. Again, put this into context. This is a random person ringing the call centre for a shoe retailer. But because the, the culture at Zappos was delivering happiness, every employee had been empowered to do whatever they needed to do to deliver happiness to whoever they were talking to. So this young lady went away and came back in a couple of minutes' time and said, you have a pen and a paper uh, here's a list of five pizza places that do delivery that are open right now and they're within 15 minutes of where you are. Have a great night. That's really powerful. I, you can definitely see that, um, you know, there's a lot of businesses wouldn't do that and it really shows a really powerful, uh, good culture. So I think that's really cool. Uh, well, I guess this kind of moves me on to, uh, I might jump ahead in terms of our question order and because I think this is a good next one. And what? Do, and I guess the question is, and we'll start with Danette here, what does motivating a team look like? Because if you want to end up with that kind of team, obviously there's going to be some steps to doing it. Uh, and I was just wondering if you had a good uh, answer for that. 
Oh, great question, Jez. And I've got an answer and I've also got something that I found on a Harvard article that I'm going to share about motivating people who are working remotely as well. But let's just start in general. What does it motivating a team look like? It's For me, it's the little things. It's doing the little things consistently. And that's the, you know, being nice and respectful to one another. So the pleases, the thanks thank yous. As a, as a leader, it's noticing what your people are doing right and actually acknowledging that. And I think a really important part of that is when you're with your people, that you're present with your people so that they know that you care about what you know they're, they're doing, what they're talking about. That playful bit that Graham talked about before is so important. I also think that part of motivating your team is understanding that it's healthy to have regular breaks during the day. It is also healthy to have, um, you know, not working after hours and definitely encouraging people to take holidays and, and do lots of self-care. I think also that creating that psychological safety so it's okay to fail at something and rather than the person being ostracised, it's it's like, okay, let's get curious about what happened here and how we can make it better next time. So it's seen as a learning opportunity rather than something that's bad. And um, in terms of talking about stories about motivating, I think one of the things that's really important for a leader, if you want to motivate your people, is to look at what behaviours are being encouraged and what behaviours are you know, not okay. So it's really making sure that the behaviours that are encouraged in the team are respectful um, and that bad behaviours and bad attitudes are addressed early um, and that it's not allowed to sort of poison the team spirit. Now, the story, um, the, the bit about motivating others came from a Harvard Business article I was looking at today called How to Keep Your Team Motivated Remotely by Lindsay McGregor and also Neil Doshi. And they talked about there's both negative motivators and positive motivators when people are working remotely. And so the negative ones can be emotional pressure, can also be economic pressure, and it can just be that sense of inertia. So it's understanding that when people are working remotely, that there might be times where they do need that mental um, health break. And certainly this week I took one because I got to that point where I was just really exhausted. So I gave myself permission to have the day off. And, you know, not hiding that. It's it's like this is a part of a good workplace. Um, the positive motivators they talked about in the article play, purpose and potential. And I think they're great ways of motivating people. Thanks, Jez. It was a great question. Yeah, no, that's all right. And, you know, I think that it's uh, it, all that sort of stuff is really important um, with, you know, here in Australia, we've got uh, some lockdowns on at the moment. And I know over in other countries, there's different sort of scenarios. Um, but I think, yeah, that's sort of being able to take a little bit of time because it's, mm. it's, a, it's a completely different uh, cycle to what most people are used to. So it's a little hard to uh, get used to it and then, you know, go in and out of it. So I think what you are doing here at Magical Learning is really good, giving people a little bit of space to just kind of <laughs> catch a breath uh, yeah. in this new world. Uh, and I guess, Graham, I also wanted to throw uh, the same question back to you, which is what does motivating a team look like? If you had any extra thoughts on that? Um, thanks, Jess. Yeah, and again, great question. I think um, some of the uh, additional sort of insights that I'd written down, uh, Danette touched on psychological safety earlier. So as 
somebody involved in motivating a team. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the leader or the, of the team or the manager of the team. It can be the team themselves. But checking in on where our level of psychological safety, their level of trust is, is massively important. If we don't get that right early on, um, it becomes difficult to maintain motivation. You can you can motivate people in short bursts, but it's not really sustainable. Um, and following on from the psychological safety thing, I think the, the idea that everybody gets equal airplay or airtime. So um, in a, a team that, that works, performs particularly well together, one of the things that commonly happens when we have a reasonable level of trust is that everybody gets the same opportunity to speak, to have input into the conversations, etc. Um, find out what matters to the people in your team. And I'm not talking just about work. And this is part of the connection thing and building trust is, um, you know, is there an opportunity for you to learn more about what inspires? So if we look at motivation as extrinsic, it's on the outside, and then inspiration is intrinsic or internal. So what is it that inspires the people on your team? And, and are there things that you can learn in that where you can link that sense or source of inspiration to the work that they're doing so they become both inspired and motivated at the same time, if that makes sense. Um, I, I think another one that comes up when, whenever we start talking about how do you motivate your people, how do you motivate your teams, you know, how, do we, how do we work better together? Uh, and one of the inevitable follow-up questions to that is what happens when you uh, realise that you have somebody on your team who doesn't belong on the team. And um, so another way of, of helping to motivate the team is when we become aware of that, it's to respectfully help them move on. And, and uh, we, Dinette and I sat through uh, a workshop, it was a virtual workshop that Jim Collins ran two half-day sessions, Wednesday, Thursday, and Jim was sharing the story of having um, worked with a, a huge number of people in his 30-plus year career so far. And some of those, you know, they they come to a point where they realise that this is not the job for them and they agree, yeah, look, I'm going to go and work somewhere else. But Jim still rings them on their birthday every year. So they haven't worked with him for perhaps a decade, perhaps longer, but he still stays in touch because it's that respect thing. And I think that's also huge because the way we treat people as they're leaving the team sends a very strong message to whoever's still in the team. Um, Absolutely. I, sorry, and just one last thing really quickly, Jess. Uh, I am always reminded of Dan Pink's uh, amazing book, Drive, where he talks about the primary, the three primary motivators for people, um, uh, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. So, again, when we're thinking about what does motivating a team look like, how do we get really clear on what they need to do and then how do we make sure they've got everything they need and then just get out of their way? Or if I can paraphrase, um, again, another comment from Jim Collins, he was saying, you know, the best thing to do is hire motivated, self-motivated people in the first place and then don't do anything stupid to demotivate them. In other words, give them what they need, get out of the way and let them do what they're awesome at. That's really good. I, I love um, I love everything that you've said there, and I think it's all sort of coming and forming a big picture for me. But I do want to welcome in Leo, who's just joined us. Uh, Leo, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, maybe your experience with uh, either motivated teams or unmotivated. 
Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> um, kind of putting me on the spot here because I just actually joined the app and I'm not quite sure um, how it works, to be totally honest, but I'll try to uh, address your question. Um, I'm sorry, can you repeat the question again? Um, some You were asking about experience with uh, a team that was motivated or and or a team that was not. Is, is that about correct? Well, yeah, and also just maybe a little bit about yourself as well. Okay, sure. Um, well, honestly, I don't have as much experience on teams as I'd like to. I have very minimal experience. Um, the reason is a little bit about me. I'm a self-employed software engineer, and I've worked on a couple teams uh, cl collaborating with other developers on projects of all sizes. But for the most part, over the last 10, 15 years, it's been mostly uh, sort of self-employed, more kind of uh, solo projects. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that for 15 years. I currently live in Austin, Texas, but I'm originally from Chicago and, um, just day to day trying to, trying to, um, go from being self-employed to more of a business owner. So that would obviously entail, um, building teams. And so I'm kind of a, a complete beginner with regard to team teams or team building and, and hiring or keeping people motivated and, and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Does that help uh, answer the question? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, well, you've come in at the right time because we're about to head on to our last question. And it's actually one that I think will be directly relevant to you. So you can have a listen to what uh, Danette and Graham have to say, both leaders at this, and uh, and then maybe give your thoughts. Uh, but thanks so much for joining on this Green Room and welcome to Green Room. Uh, the final question, and uh, it's a good one, I think you've come at the right time, is what are some ways to become a better motivator? So what we've talked about just a little bit to recap is that the culture is important, really using your team to the best of their strengths, essentially what Graham was saying, getting out of their way um, and making sure that everyone's working in a really good environment. But I'll throw this one to Danette. Uh, what are some ways that you can become a better Great question, Jez, and welcome, Leo. It's so great to have you here. And um, I'm excited that you're moving towards becoming a business owner because we've been running businesses for about 22, 23 years now. And um, part of our team are some of our children, including Jez. So for us, you know, creating a business creates impact in your community and with others. So I think that's really admirable. And if we can help, please reach out to us. In terms of how do you become a, a better motivator, I think the most important thing is that you care about your people. Um, so as Graham said, you get to know them, what's important for them, both at work and, and elsewhere. And I think it's really important as a leader to trust your people. If you've hired smart people, then as Graham said, get out of their way and actually let them do their job. And part of what I think is just as a leader looking at what sort of opportunities can I create for my people to grow their strengths, to um, help them become well-rounded in you know, things that are important to them. And so that means being curious. It means having their back and when failure happens, sitting with them and going, okay, what can we learn from this? Um, because usually your failure is the best teacher. And if you've got someone there that says, you know, it's okay, Let's learn from this because we all have to fail it from time to time. And in business, you know, it's just part of what you do. It's how we improve. I think clear goals are really important as well. So people know what it is that they're working 
on. And, and one of the tips I got out of the Harvard article that I talked about before is that particularly if people are working remotely, the ability to um, allow people to experiment and problem solve you know, together as teams um, and even as individuals can be really motivating because it challenges people to, to grow. Making sure that you, know, you support diversity and inclusion in thought, in the way people work, um, in you know, just the strengths that your team bring to the um, the organisation, which means, you know, you can show them through doing things like giving people stretch assignments and stuff. And for me, you know, making sure everyone understands the purpose, why do they do what they do and the impact it has not just on them but on others, on clients, on community, etc. Because at the end of the day, you know, we... I, I think everyone comes to work to do the best they possibly can. And so as leaders, we need to grow our emotional maturity so that we're constantly looking at how do we support and grow the people around us because we can't do it by ourselves. It actually requires a team to create greatness. So that's sort of my two bobs worth on that question. Great question, Jeremy. Thank you. That's all right. No, great answer. I think it's really helpful. I wanted to throw this over to Graham now uh, and just your thoughts on what are some ways to become a better motivator. Yeah, thanks, Jess. Uh, also, just wanted to say a, a hi to Leo. So excited to have you in the green room with us today. So thank you so much for, for being here and, and for being open to growing yourself. It's an amazing skill. I just wanted to clarify the two bobs worth. Uh, is approximately. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's, a it's a quarter in your part of the it's, world. It's an yeah. Australian slang. It's an Australian slang thing. It's, yeah, it's our two cents worth. Um, so today, again, uh, has has hit most of the things I'd written down. I, one of the things I had written down early was just about skill sets um, and some of the skills that you need to be a great motivator. The key for me is, is emotional intelligence and particularly empathy. Uh, I think it's so important. They talked about know your why, your purpose, and be able to articulate that. Uh, listen more than you speak, I think, is a really important one. And, and uh, you know, ask better questions mm-hmm. is also particularly helpful. Uh, I, I wrote another one down. And Danette used this in a workshop uh, a couple of months ago, and because I have a, a really warped sense of humour. It's just stuck in my head and I can't get rid of it. If you want to motivate people at work, and it doesn't matter whether you're in the same room as them or whether you're all remote, check your face. Before, yes. you, before you have a meeting, before you have a conversation with somebody, check your face. What's going on with your face? Because what it should be doing is smiling. Um, and this sort of, if I backtrack from the smile thing really quickly for a second, if we want to motivate a team, um, be genuine about it. I, yeah, the first thing I do is ask myself, well, why? Am I doing this because if I get them to work better, I get a bigger bonus, in which case don't? Or am I doing this because I genuinely care about helping these people grow? So, you know, intent for me is such an important thing. Uh, but check your face. Put a smile on your face. And don't fake it, but because we can tell it's fake and it makes it worse. Uh, Danette talked about the honesty Embracing failure, I think, is massively important. Um, and just one other thing that came out of um, a masterclass that Adam Grant ran the other day, at least I think it was that one, um, none of us is as smart as all of us in the context of a team. Or to put it another way, 
you know, in a team context, each of us is dumber than all of us. And uh, I can't remember the author of or the person who um, said this, and you might be able to remember, everybody in the world knows something that you don't. Yeah, that's Bill Nye. Oh, Bill Nye, it is too. Yeah. Thanks so much. So, again, I think just a really important reminder for anybody looking to motivate a team, um, everybody on the planet knows something that you don't. And I think that's a beautiful place for all of us to start in terms of being curious about how we can help the team grow. Absolutely. They, they, they're both really good answers, and I think there's stuff that you reflect in magical learning. I did want to throw it over to Leo uh, quickly. Uh, Leo, have you worked uh, under someone that's been a good motivator, or do you have any questions at all? Um, yeah, I, I have. Uh, I've pretty much mostly had positive experiences uh, where if the bosses or the, or the team leaders were um, giving us tasks, fortunately, the vast majority of my experiences have been positive. But yeah, I did have one question. By the way, I loved um, both of the answers. They were tremendous answers. And um, it, it was, um, I'm definitely learning a lot because I'm a complete beginner here. Um, I did have one question for Graham, but certainly anyone can chime in. Um, I was wondering, um, I love the idea of, you know, smiling and being genuine. And, and I know you said not to fake your smile. So then the question for me was, um, what if, you know, business at times can be extremely challenging, stressful. Sometimes you have to choose between uh, two different decisions that maybe aren't ideal. Um, you know, we're human beings. We can have rough days sometimes. So the question then that comes to mind is how do you both give a genuine smile while also managing um, sort of the challenges on a day-to-day -day basis? Because um, certainly I've had stressful days in my um work environment. And I felt like I would give a smile, but I wasn't sure exactly what the best way to present a genuine smile was if I knew that on the inside, I was feeling a little bit of turmoil about something else that was going on with the company. Um, so I hope that question makes sense. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you again so much for, for all the information. It's been great to Leo, thank you. It, it makes perfect sense. Uh, and it's a great question. A great question. Uh, if I can probably sum it up, a, a couple of things I think might be helpful. First is uh, we, we all need to practice more self-care. Um, planet Earth has gone through, and we're still experiencing um, challenges and situations that most of the people on the planet have never seen before, have never experienced, and we don't have a rule book or a guidebook for how to get through it. And it's not going away anytime soon. So I think self-care and making sure that we do things for ourselves individually, not because we're selfish, but because we know that if I do things to look after myself, to reduce my stress, to feel more present, to have more energy, to feel a little bit more positive, it's easier for me to have a, a more positive mindset when I need to have a difficult conversation with somebody. But if I'm massively stressed, then trying to fake a smile is going to make me feel worse and probably won't work with the other person either. So, I think, and, and again, in some cases, um, you know, it's perfectly okay not to be able to smile because things are really tough. And one of the hallmarks of great leaders is when they are courageous enough to be vulnerable and say, look, I feel terrible right now. I'm not feeling great about the situation. I just want to let you know this is hard. Um, I also, if I could just really quickly share... 
a comment um, that Jim Collins shared the other day, and it, and it resonated so strongly with me. And this is particularly when we're having difficult conversations with people, when we might be talking to a team member and thinking, well, I might have to let them go, is to be rigorous but not ruthless. Um, so for me, that, that always comes back to, you know, how do I maintain a, a genuine sort of human-to-human -human connection with somebody else, even when we're having a difficult conversation? But I, I think that the first thing with all of that is how do I make sure that I look after myself first? Because that's so important. Um, Leah, I hope that was helpful, but I just go, I want to flick this over to Jeanette to see if she has anything to add. Mm, and yeah, what a fabulous question. Um, I, I agree with Graham. So part of, of the you know, running a business is there are difficult times and it's being transparent with your people, not in a way to freak them out, but to share, hey, look, this is what's going on because then you get, you know, many other pe people considering the issue and maybe they've got a different perspective that can make it better. Maybe they don't, but at least then they understand that, what the problem is versus if if you come in and, and it is a bad day, if you're frowning, it's explaining what that, that means. So where did that come from? Because if we don't explain what it has caused it, in their mind they'll make up that they've done something wrong. And so they'll go to the fight or flight part of their brain and they won't think particularly well. And you'll start to see behaviour like people going into little pockets and talking about what's going on and that, and they'll make it up if we don't share it with them. So it's okay to be vulnerable and actually say, look, hey, today's actually not a great day. There's couple of things I'm struggling with um, and I'd really, you know, if anyone's open, I'd really love some input from you as well because the more you do that, people get that you've got their back and that you trust them enough to share as well. So I think for me, I would, I would certainly acknowledge what's going on um, even if it is really difficult because I remember a story where a CEO was advised by the board to lay off a number of their people in order to save a company and he said I'm not going to do this because they're my family because he but and they weren't his family they just he called them his family and he said family doesn't lay off family members so he went back to the company and he said I, I've faced with a really difficult decision you know um, the board's saying to lay off people because we need to save some money and he said but what I'd love is for you to come up with some other ideas and so what they did is the people who could afford to take leave all took leave um, and the people who couldn't um, if people had extra leave and could afford to take it they would take it and they ended up actually creating a really massively successful company so for me I think it's, it's sharing with your people, even in the hard times, and trusting that if you've built that beautiful trust, they're going to be there to help you as well. And I love that question, Leah. It's a fabulous question. Hope that was helpful. Yes, that was really great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, that pretty much brings us to the end. Uh, but I did want to just say um, one thing quickly. Uh, so for me, as someone that didn't know a heap about this, in my head, it's kind of, uh, it's being positive. It's, it's looking for what helps people in your organization, what they like. And for me, it kind of, it, it reminds me of in sports, sometimes uh, the best team wins uh, and it's full of all the stars in the sport, but sometimes the best team wins because it's a good team of sort of ragtag people that ultimately 
when they fit together, it's a weird fit, but it's a really good fit. And a lot of their weirdness is actually brought out and uh, sort of heightened in a way to make them a sort of weirdly better team than some of the other uh, teams. So in my head for thinking in sports metaphors, uh, that's how, that's how I'm sort of putting it all together. Uh, that's a great metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if there's uh, any final comments uh, we want to have, and maybe I'll start with um, Danette here. Any final thoughts on motivating your team? I think as a leader, you know, this is one of our primary responsibilities is to look after your team and, and have their back. So I I think that it's something as leaders we should continuously study and think about, you know, whether our people are remote or whether they're in an office together, how do we look after them, care for them, be kind and make sure that we're bringing out that weirdness and honouring it so that we create a great organisation. Thank you. That's right. And Graham, uh, any final thoughts on that? Uh, no, that sort of took the words out of my mouth. The whole idea of um, our responsibility as leaders is to grow more leaders around us. So I think um, probably the, the key right now, um, just going back to my response to, to Leo's question, is you know, make sure that you look after yourself first. Make sure that you practice self-care, that you do things that rebuild your energy and keep you forward-focused and keep you reasonably positive, that keep you um, energetic, because that is going to have a massive impact on how you interact with people around you. Fantastic. And Leo, did you have any final um, thoughts or, or questions? Um, just wanted to say thank you so much for all the information. I know I joined the the um, the event super late and just within the last uh, few minutes here, but still really helpful information. I wish I knew about it earlier and, and joined earlier. So um, maybe that's a good way to um, sort of conclude uh, if there's a moment, like how would we, you know, continue uh, uh, following the group or, or determine when the next event is and things like that. But yeah, just in the brief moments uh, we've had together, thank you so much for all of the information. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Leah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I was just going to say, so uh, we do these every Friday, our time, Thursday, US time. Um, and they are um, they're sort of just different podcasts. We put them up every week on Sunday, Australia time, Saturday, US time. Uh, so in Australia, they're at 12.30 uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time. Uh, on the West Coast of the US, they start at 7.30 p.m. on Thursday. So you can catch us every week and join us. Next week, we'll be talking about the upside of failure. So that could uh, be a good one if that's something you're interested in. Uh, thank you so much to everyone that joined us. I'm uh, We had a really good one today. and I'm really excited to put this up. But uh, yeah, you can follow us at Magical Learning on all social medias and podcasts. But I just want to say thank you to everyone that joined us. Uh, and hopefully we'll see you next week. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Magical Learning Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you did enjoy this episode, feel free to go back and have a look at all of our previous episodes. Our entire library is available wherever you found this podcast, so hopefully you can go back and enjoy them. And if you are enjoying it, feel free to rate and review. It helps us get the word out to more people. Beyond that, if you like free content, you can follow us on all our social medias, including YouTube, to watch our previous webinars, masterclasses, and everything else. Have a magical week.